Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. If Destiny can't bother paying uh, Peter Dinklage for his voice, then I'm guessing that uh, they, <laughs> they do the same here. Xbox Game Passengers Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Derek Cranevelt, and this is the show where each episode, myself and a guest will dissect and discuss a single game that's available on Microsoft's Game Pass service, which was chosen for us completely at random. So whether it's a magical or horrible experience, we will force ourselves through it, share our thoughts, and let you know if the game is worth your time. Uh, At the end of every episode, we'll also be randomly drawing the game for the next show as well, so you always know what's coming up on the next adventure. And every episode, I'm joined by a guest. Uh, You've heard a few voices several times, so it almost seems like they're guest hosts versus uh, (laughs) regular guest hosts versus just just one-off guests. But today, I have someone totally new with me. Uh, I've got Joel. Uh, Joel, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Joel, you are actually, you have the honor of being the first guest that I don't know at all. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of, uh, most of everyone that's been on the show so far, I've like, I am close friends with, or I've podcasted with before or whatnot. So I'm really excited to do this uh, because, you know, those people, I generally know their tastes and I know how those conversations are going to flow. And you, aside from listening to a few episodes of your podcast, Super GG Radio, which I'll give you a chance to talk about in one sec, I, I don't know you at all. So how are you today? How 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 did this come to be? <laughs> so actually, uh, hi, my name is Joel DeWitt, uh, co-host of Super GG Radio, another video game podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, actually, uh, we sort of came across each other off of some Reddit podcasting communities, if I recall right, and uh, just sort of seeking feedback from each other about uh, our podcasts and trying to give advice about how to do it better and... Uh, you know, I because Super GG is pretty new too, right? How long has that been running for? It is. So we started in February, and uh, okay, we've been doing about thirty-two episodes strong so far, uh, outside of a couple extra ones. So we we try to make it a weekly thing. Uh, it's it's a little bit more broader in scope than uh, mm-hmm. what you guys do, which I, I do like. What you do is sort of this deep dive into one game at a time and uh, trying to uh, talk about every bit of it, the experience and. <laughs> And, and the conceit of using Xbox Game Pass is sort of a rotating tool to choose something's really cool to me. So I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. I'm glad you're here as well. I'm, I'm glad that you like the formatting of the show, too. And the the main reason I feel like it exists is I have 
such a hard time choosing anything, <laughs> uh, whether it's where to go for dinner or like where to get gas or what sort of beer to drink or what video game should I play. So I, you know, took the control out of it and uh, here we are. And sometimes it's worked out really, really well. And sometimes it's been pretty rough. So uh, yeah, you know, the, the landscape of gaming right now is this sort of horrible all you can eat buffet when it comes to the different subscriptions you can get games on the monthly for just and the title of wave of stuff that comes out week to week it uh you know, at least it it hones you in on one thing to focus on right <laughs> completely totally and it's also i mean there's also that added benefit of i mean everyone has certain tastes and and there there could be some hidden gems out there and I, and even a few that i found already but there could be some hidden gems out there that i would never play otherwise because hey that doesn't look like my style um so yeah so i really appreciate that aspect of the show as well Mm -hmm. um i'd love to ask you a few questions to get started though just so we can kind of get a sense for what your taste might what your taste might be so we can see if the listeners align with them if that's cool with you yeah fire away cool i i mean basically i would just love to know uh you know how long have you been playing games for and what sort of genres do you typically gravitate towards and what are some of your favorite titles so I have been playing video games probably as far back as when I was five or six years old. Uh, I'm 33 for reference now. My okay. my first gaming memories actually were my parents got their first computer, which is an Amiga Commodore. If you mm-hmm. uh, are familiar with that at all, at uh, very basic by today's standard computer, you had to plug in a uh, a floppy drive to uh, use certain programs and uh, mm-hmm. just really really basic stuff. But it had ports of stuff so it had like uh california games or uh <laughs> uh marble madness or uh some uh turrican was another one that we had at the time so uh turrican that does not i have no recollection of that so name uh two, 2d side scrolling shooter game <laughs> so it's okay, uh cool. yeah so that so that was my start but it was a really limited uh venture into that and then we got to say to genesis when i was closer to eight years old and uh that was sort of where it really stuck with me that it's going to be a a pastime of mine (laughs) for as long as Mm -hmm. i can conceivably do it just because of the fun that's involved in it and just the different things you can do in gaming the kind of stuff i like to play i kind of gravitate towards uh 2d platformers uh if just because at my age with a family sometimes uh, uh time is the biggest bandwidth uh issue more than anything else sure. when it comes to gaming. And there are a lot of options and a lot of really good options right now with the indie scene out there for 2D platformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I have time, I like strategy games. So uh, we, I just got done with uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses not too long ago. Okay, and, cool. And uh, that kind of game's a little bit in my alley. Uh, other than that, it's, you know, uh, when I can sort of afford it, uh, fighting games were a wheelhouse of mine, although uh, my response time isn't what it used to be. So uh, <laughs> I'll still dabble in a little bit of like Street Fighter or Dragon Ball Fighter Z, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, not a fire game, but uh, Rocket Elite has been kind of my mainstay lately of uh, the, just the constant thing I'll toss into rotation when I've got to spare 20 minutes or so, play a few matches. Rocket League is so much fun and so easy to pick up and put down. And I, I've never played online because I feel like I'm terrible at it. But it's like it's definitely one of those like couch games that always comes out when I have friends over type thing. Yeah, it is. It is the perfect kind of like like you said, easy to play. The con- controllers, the controls aren't 
hard to grasp, right? Uh, but then you can really get into some complex movements if you dedicate yourself to uh, getting better at it. And uh, if you do decide to play online, figure out how to mute the chat because uh, that's, that's going to be this <laughs> pretty toxic. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I kind of feel like a lot of gaming communities anymore are pretty toxic. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. it's just part of the environment, but uh, it's just, it's not worth the uh, getting tilted, <laughs> you know? Totally. Going back to like, like, so, so you kind of got in the Sega Genesis was a big one for me. Cause I am, I'm a few years younger. I'm at the 29 age, 29 years of age point uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. And so Genesis is like the first real, gaming experience that i remember are you did, did you plan on picking up that new genesis mini at all i uh since my wife won't hear me say this and <laughs> she doesn't listen to podcasts <laughs> uh i'm aware that she probably already put uh something down for a christmas present <laughs> to nice. get it so yes. i i think it looks so solid it, it looks, and it's getting great reviews too i'm really excited to to get my hands on it at some point i'm just so happy that Sega decided to put some effort into one of these because they, they've mm-hmm. had these mini consoles for a while right it's just that this is the first one that they've actually had some sincere effort in making quality <laughs> this is the hardware. first one that doesn't suck exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they've done an eclectic number of games too which is like uh, stuff that i never had hands on even though i owned the thing and had 30 some games totally so like i'm excited to try the stuff i haven't seen totally well yeah it's got a i think there's 40 or just over 40 titles on it um and i mean if i mean if it's the same as any of the you know the playstation classic or any of the nintendo ones or anything like that they've all been fairly easy to put more content onto if there's anything you know any of your favorites that are missing um you know i i can't remember the whole list but you know there was I, I've never been like a sports guy, but like Mutant League Hockey and Mutant League Football for Sega Genesis were a couple of like my favorite games ever. If you're to have a sports game, those are the ones to have. They're just totally there's not yeah, much like yeah. that out there anyway. <laughs> and there there hasn't been since then. And I I remember how excited I was for there was a Kickstarter for a Mutant League Football um, like Resurrection, and I don't think it was successful a couple of years back. But actually, um, uh, maybe that that they did end up making that. Uh, they did. Yeah, oh my gosh. yeah. I think I remember the story though, because the first one failed because it looked like a mobile mm-hmm. game, uh, and then they yes, it yes they rebooted the thing and it looks more like NFL Blitz. So okay. like it's it's still a little different than the original stuff, which was mm-hmm. it was sort of aping off of the Maddens at the time, if I remember right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I think it was published by EA at the time as well. Like I think they were running off of the same engines. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a little bit different in uh format of football game, but I think it it probably suits it pretty well for what it's trying to go for. Mhm. And it, did you you think it's out already or is still in I, still in production? I thought or? I saw a box for it the last time I was at GameStop. Oh my gosh. So, you just you, uh you just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad at least I got one to, thing out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up once we finish up here. Um, but yeah, I mean, today we're talking about a much newer game. Yes. Um, it's still a few years old, though. We're talking about uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War, uh, which is a sequel to, I think it came out in about 2015, 2016, and it's a sequel to uh, Shadow, what, Shadow of Mordor, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor right. from a, a couple of years before that. Um, do you want to get us started by telling us a little bit about what the game is about? Go behind enemy lines to forge your army, conquer fortresses that dominate Mordor from within, Experience how the award-winning Nemesis system creates unique personal stories with every enemy and follower, and confront the full power of the Dark Lord Sauron and his rain wraiths in this epic new story of Middle-Earth. In Middle-Earth Shadow of War, 
nothing will be forgotten. Nothing will be forgotten except that I've forgotten all of the characters' names <laughs> and all of the names of the locations and everything like that. Uh-huh. And it's are, – are you a big Lord of the Rings guy at all or have you ever been? I, I read the books in middle school. I adored them. Honestly, a lot of my memory of the story faded outside of what was reprised in the movies, which actually I, I think the movies did a great job of retelling the story in a way that's palpable. Sure. So I, I am a fan of the, the world – and the larger story beats of it, but I haven't been a Tolkienite, so to speak. No, I, I feel like for myself, I I have seen all of the movies, but probably not since. Not in like I saw all the Hobbit movies in theaters and the Lord of the Rings movies. Like I've watched, I watched probably a decade ago, and I've read like the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring probably twelve times. Y- yeah, y- <laughs> and then <laughs> y- you know I love those books, but I, I've. Pit them up not so long ago, and and they are kind mm-hmm. of impenetrable. You know, like you have, they are hard to read. Like, and I I remember going like trying to read them just on my own in middle school, and then a few years. Like, I feel like every few years, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read Lord of the Rings, and then you know something hits halfway through Fellowship of the Ring, and I'm like, f this. This is like this is way too. This is way more of a commitment than I am willing to make at this point. Like, and it is long and it is dry. And I mean, it's like a hundred years old, so it's going to be, but, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to get through. And, and I feel like, no, I feel like Tolkien's writing style is such that he does so much of the world building within the story itself. And, and, and sure. by that, I mean, like he will spend 15 to 20 pages going in depth about a certain race of creatures, history and their music and their language. <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's just like, he takes these deviations in writing that it makes it hard to keep up or keep interest when you want to get to the crux of the story. All that to say that mm-hmm. the Hobbit is a much more readable book. <laughs> and I recommend anybody yes. uh, pick it up and watch it. That's fair. And I have read and finished the Hobbit as well. So that's a good point as well there. Um, and did you play the first game at all? Or is this your first uh, entry into the series? So I did play uh, Shadow of Mordor some. Uh, I, I didn't complete it. Uh, you know, I remember it being pretty lauded at the time uh, for what is the Nemesis system. Uh, I do as well, yeah. And also just uh, the sort of open world format. And a lot of people talked about how they would just spend so much time doing to hunt down the different orcs. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. really my experience. I, I sort of got stuck pretty early on i remember back then feeling like the combat was a little bit too uh tight in terms of the call and response you have to do with uh combat and encountering and, and it might have been more sure might have been more at experience of me not being used to the uh type of combat at the time because it's been kind of reprised in a lot of different games by this point this game i feel like doesn't treat you like you, uh, nothing makes any sense to me to start things out like not having not like i don't know these characters mm-hmm. i don't know you know aside from when you know golem pops up or or something that i've seen before um whether through the through the movies or whatever but like it, it just it and it's a se- it is a sequel so it's hard and it's hard to give it too much flack for that but i feel like it's not super beginner friendly because i I played through the whole first act and and a bit of the second act uh, in prepping for the show, and it wasn't until the first act was almost over that I started to give a crap about any of the characters. I feel like because um, it, it's you know Talion and and this ring wraith or, or this this wraith that he's connected to, and and they're kind of separated at first, and there's a new ring, and I'm like, oh, this like all seems really really cool, but none of the stuff that was happening to them felt like it had any gravity really because I didn't know them at all, and it, and it took a while to get to that point. So it's definitely. 
I feel like more so than almost any any game that I can recall as of late, you have to play the first one or watch a recap of the first one to really get any sense for what is potentially going on at this point. What I remember at the start of this game is that they give like the faintest bit of CGI story, but it's it's very, very much just so Talion's backstory is basically at the start of the first game. Him and his family get murdered. Uh, somehow this rain wraith, and I'm going to attempt to say his name here, uh, Celebrimbor, I think. Uh, something like yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was pretty close. <laughs> or Celebrimbor or something. Uh, yeah, we're going to move on from that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he sort of uh, inhabits you and keeps you from following to the great beyond with your family uh, in effort to take on uh, Sauron and the forces of Mordor. And it's clear that he has some sort of like ends of his own in order to do so. And, you know, as Talion, which is like, he is the most blank faced protagonist I can think of in recent memory that I've played as too. Like he, he is a great value uh, Aragorn. He's just not. Yeah, <laughs> like I, you were, you're to, you're totally right. Like, and and if knowing if you knew nothing about this game and saw a screenshot, you'd be like, "Oh no way, you're Aragorn!" Like, <laughs> but he, but he doesn't look fair. They couldn't get the rights like to the <laughs> right to, to the uh, to the face or something, so they had to change it slightly. Right, not not unlike that recent uh, Avengers movie they're t- or game that they're talking about coming out. Which <laughs> yes, like yes, uh, it's very kind of uncanny valley, and like I think it's supposed to be this person, but but in this case, it's not at all. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. They they do a horrible job of setting up the stage for this story mm-hmm. and and you sort of jump into it and i had the faintest knowledge of the starting of the first game uh for reasons i explained but the i, I don't know that they, they you a lot of games do a good job anymore of bridging the gap between two games for people who have mm-hmm. not played it and, and they give you that faint scene of your family dying and then they give the faint mm-hmm. scene of you and this rain wraith forging a reign of power at uh I guess it's Mount Doom where the other ring was forged. Mm-hmm. And well, and it was just like, and at that point I'm like, what the, like, what the heck? There's a new ring. Like, right. There's a new ring. How is that? How is that possible? And then I was like, oh no, it's like, it must be a vision of what we're supposed to do. And then like, it, it was just hard, a little bit hard to follow, but, it, but it throws you right in and it's like, nope, you actually did this. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> moments after it's taken away. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, we're like five minutes in and I'm like, we're giving this evil lady the ring right away. Like, there's no way this possibly could go well. Uh, and it doesn't. It doesn't really go Are you well, familiar but. with that character at all? I I do. Like, I remembered her from something, but I can't remember if she was in the movie. Like, it's been so long and I'm so far removed, I feel so, like, from it all. So, that, they, yeah. they took some liberty with uh, a bit of the, the Lord of the Rings lore, not just there but on a lot of parts of the game but uh sure she's in character by the name of shelob and in the book she's a spider and, mm-hmm. and like she she doesn't have any human form she is just oh, there's no human form no no they they took some license and uh gave her uh a human avatar to uh speak through as a story conceit so uh in the movie in the, in the book she's just this beastly monster spider in mordor that uh mm-hmm. uh captures uh frodo and, and then uh is going to oh she's the spider yeah, oh my gosh yeah. okay yeah and like they start showing her in the game by showing the spider and it's like it's a creepy freaking spider but uh yeah <laughs> but then they quickly turn her into this sort of uh seductress uh elvira type uh pretty quick yep yep I, you know totally 
Well, what's the benefit of that at that point? Like in the in the because the spider talked when we saw her in the film as well, right? Like I can't recall. Like, it's what's been the, a while since I've seen I, that movie. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure the spider talked at that point, and and I mean, even if it didn't, just give it a voice. But like, what is the what is the benefit here of making it a, a, a person as well? And it's not like there's any like it's not like they think it's a person. Like it's it's very clear to them that they that you know they call her the spider and everything like that. Like it's very clear to them that they know what her true form is. So what is the benefit of having this other form aside from you know a spider can't really wear a ring? I guess like <laughs> uh, rampant arachnophobia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's interesting. I did not realize that that was the same character, and it's it's kind of super weird that they gave her that. Yeah, and I mean it 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 bugged me at first, but over time it it just became just part of what you have to come to accept if you're going to play through this. And and, and sure. just like like you said, a lot of the characters are kind of unremarkable, uh, and really the ones that stand out. You did a little bit better feel for Talion as you play on a little bit, although he seems very much just a, like a generic, like, I want to fight for the people of Dondor and the free people of Middle-earth. Yes, yeah. and Well, and it's it's like him and Celebrimor, like, they're like a, and I'm going to butcher that, I'm just going to apologize no, that's fine. now. That I, there's not not a single time am I going to say that name right, but just, it feels like they're almost, it just feels like they're like an old married couple, like they have <laughs> different goals and different values, and they spend so much of the game bickering, but it's very much like, yeah, like, like Talion is very much like, oh, we need to save the people, and he's like, screw the people i just need my ring back like, right <laughs> they're like there's just they're just so and they just end up arguing much of the time which i wonder i wonder what that relationship is like in this game at this point versus what it would have been like when they were working together in the first title yeah you know what makes me wonder is that if they are trying to go for something a little deeper at play like the idea of talion being this more uh recently deceased but still attached to his humanity where uh I'm just going to call him Celeb, uh, where Celeb uh, felt uh, like a little more detached from his humanity since he's been an apparition for so long. Like, uh, sure. you would think maybe under better handled storytelling, they could have breathed that out a little bit into the game itself better. But it's it's not. It's not acted upon in a way that I felt was convincing. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, that's a good point too. And I feel like the, like the relationship between them, like these two beings sharing this one body, like it should be the most interesting and the deepest relationship in the game and i feel like i got I, I you got pieces of that at times but most of the time it just felt like it it literally didn't matter what they were talking about for the most part like this bickering this arguing like i'm the one in control like it doesn't really matter what you guys say like <laughs> um but it, it definitely felt very surface level for a lot of what they were saying right and, and truthfully at least through the parts that you and i have played so far uh italian gets his way for the most part, about what you're going to end yep. up doing net. So it, it ends up feeling very like, like you said, not much consequence to the conversation and back and forth. Uh, Celebrimor doesn't really have any sway in what Talion's doing. And you're taking, mm -hmm. you're, you're taking the will of Talion into effect more than anything, which like mm -hmm. from a story conceit at this point, it's basically just Shelob is giving visions to Talion of things that may come to pass if he doesn't intervene yep. and Talion's going back and forth because he still has an attachment to people and Celebrimor is very much just, look, we got to focus on what we're focused on. Uh, who cares if they die basically <laughs> because there are larger things at play that might happen if we don't focus on meeting our own ends to this. Although you get a sense that he, again, he sort of has his own motivations that I don't know are mm -hmm. at play yet. Totally. Well, and it's, and it's eh, like you, 
you're meeting Shelob, you're getting these visions, which very much are, it's like literally like I'm seeing this vision. It's like, oh, I'm going to go change this right now. And it typically has to do with um, some orc captains that, you know, kill important people or are, um, you know, very instrumental in the fall of the city that's under attack. I mean, it's Ethereal, uh at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like you, you're acting directly and instantly. And, and Celebrimor is just like, whatever, like cities fall, no big deal. Like, right. And it's just so, it's such a weird <laughs> contrast. Um, and it doesn't like, it, it doesn't sound like he's trying to convince you or anything like that like he's just like oh whatever like we don't have time for this crap uh and it's i don't know i i found it like i I, they didn't feel as much of a team like as much of a team as i thought that they should but also if that was purposeful it just didn't feel like it was like i said it just felt very surface level in in anything yeah i'd agree with that yeah i mean and i feel like we've mostly been like crapping on it so far but that said i did feel like the like it's a weird i feel like it's a weird experience because it feel like there are moments that feel super epic and there are moments that don't and it's like it i, I don't know the, it keeps coming back to me but i feel like it like there's so many movie based or just really cinematic experiences out there right now mm-hmm. and this feels like super gamey in comparison like like icons all over the screen everywhere like a massive heads up display and like things just kind of all over the place all the time and i felt like when i the, like the moments that felt the most cinematic and the most like appealing were kind of the moments that stuff faded away and you're just kind of in the environments themselves and it, it it's weird because it's like i the, when i was in missions i was really enjoying the those missions and the tasks of those missions and everything like that but then the open world stuff i could not have cared less about like it doesn't feel interesting the, the, these places are giant but they don't necessarily feel alive or interesting in any way to me anyways yeah there's there is a strange dichotomy because like the story beats like you said especially early starting out there are these epic sequences that feel like they're on the same kind of scale as stuff from the book or the movie where it's just legions of orcs or urkai trying to overtake the city and the humans trying to bear them back and on one the scale is great because it feels like you're in the midst of an earth-shaking moment but also the gameplay feels a lot different in those sequences because there's so much happening on screen and then you will see like two dozen different orcs trying to fight you and other people and you're just swinging Mm -hmm. stuff around it it kind of reminded me of i've only played a few of these but uh the Dynasty Warrior games. So, like, oh, you, yeah, okay. And, and it's these empty spaces in those games, and then you're just waving your big weapon around, knocking all of them back three, four, five at mm-hmm. a time. And, and it doesn't feel like there's much real strategy going on in your movements you're making. No, it doesn't. And it just feels like, yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a great point. It's very much like I'm just going to mash the X button and then hit Y when it prompts me to, and, and the rest of it doesn't really matter, it feels like. Right. Yeah, so it's just, it's strange because on those sequences, it does feel very just like hit A, hit A, hit A, X, Y, okay, here I have the town or this one, but then I'm just wailing on everybody. But then when you are in the open world or in missions where it's a little more focused and uh, smaller scale, like it, it feels a lot different. I mean, it feels more like uh, the Batman Arkham games where it's just totally, yeah, things feel more impactful as you're hitting enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to rely on a counter or your special abilities to really open up them to be vulnerable to attacks and things just feel a lot more uh, fluid and choreographed in a way that mm-hmm. seems uh, 
more in line with what you'd hope with this kind of game. I got pretty heavy Assassin's Creed vibes from a lot of yeah, the yeah. beginning stuff as well. Because, of course, you you do kind of have – I mean, you have kind of powers, so you can do it more quickly than you could ever do it in, in Assassin's Creed. But you have the ability to kind of climb up any buildings. And, and for the first um, – one of the kind of the earlier goals in the open world is there's these towers that have uh, have essentially been taken control of by Sauron. And you have to kind of cleanse them to, to get them back. And that <laughs> then at that point, that shows you more things that are out in the environment and everything like that so it kind of feels like those moments felt very ubisoft like, right <laughs> uh, very ubisoft go up to the top of the tower and reveal the map type things which i didn't care that much about um and i i, I feel like w- one thing that's weird here as well is that it feels like i i for a while it's like oh my mission's over here so i'm sneaking through and i'm like trying not to be seen and all of that and then at some point i realized that it literally doesn't matter because like you can just sprint through and they see you and they chase you and whatever but as i can just get to the mission marker and hit the right bumper and the mission starts at that point and whatever i was doing in the moment before like doesn't exist anymore and at that point like that separation of what you know i i feel like other open world games it's like oh you're being chased right now or you're in combat like you can't do this and this one doesn't have that limitation which in a way is nice because maybe i just want to do the mission but it also feels like the the in at those times the world itself exists just to make it take longer for me to get to the next mission type thing yeah isn't that strange? You sort of can Benny Hill run through everything. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It, and then I, that's all I started doing. Like 100% of the time, I'm just sprinting through because none of it matters at that point. Like, no, and no. And, and maybe I missed it when I played the first one, uh, Shadow of Mordor. But I don't recall being able to do that in the handful of hours I played in that one. You would get caught up pretty quick by orcs and mm-hmm. monsters that would right. tear you down. And, and here, I mean, it, like you said, it was kind of a pleasant surprise that like it no longer became a barrier for me to move from story beat to story beat here but in the way you can sort of yakety sacks through everything it, it does sort of break the illusion of you being in this huge epic landscape you know when mm-hmm. you're you able to fast forward everything mm-hmm. and it almost makes me wish at that point that's like oh rather than having to take the five to ten minutes to sprint through here like why like just let me start the mission from them if you're not going to block me out from like it doesn't matter if i'm combat or whatever like at that point just let me start the mission from the the menu or something like that like if they're going to be that separate exactly just just give me the opportunity to fast travel to any waypoint marker whether it be story beat or something i've already unlocked and then allow me the option to do more of the freeform open world exploring at my leisure mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah rather rather than trying to blend them which but but keep them separate i, I don't know it was that that stuff was kind of weird to me and it took me out of it a bit so even more so than like the different markers on screen that stuff is what made it feel gamey to me like the mm, the, yeah. the way that it is sort of uh connected together haphazardly between this open world and the missions just like you said you get to a mission marker and there can be five or six monsters approaching you but you hit the mission marker and then it resets or similarly some of the missions will be stuff like you have to kill this general and (laughs) and you know there's like you're on the verge of dying and you're trying to crawl away or something like that and then like an a CPU will end up killing the the story marker enemy, and it'll spare you because it'll just skip right to the cinematic. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's well, like, yeah, it's just like the he has died. It doesn't matter how he's died, but like how they died, but he's dead. So you've now succeeded, like, right? So it was like I, I appreciate being spared, but it just felt kind of disjointed, <laughs> you know. And very uh, just talking about like the gaminess when it's like you know certain there could be certain captains, and it's like oh you have to kill stealth kill ten of his guards before he sees you type thing like just these like very 
game-oriented missions. And I mean, it is a game. Like, it's not a bad thing. It just feels less, uh, you know, the the Lord of the Rings, it, like, franchise in terms of, I mean, of course, being books first. But the, the movies feel like these big epic and, like, so cinematic, like, just pieces of art. And this feels very different than that like it doesn't have that same cinematic feel in most pieces of it because it's you're, you're, you know you're you're sprinting to this place and then you're killing 10 guards because the marker on the screen tells you to and and like i i, I don't have like I, I don't have a solution for how it could be better but um it just felt less epic and less cinematic than than some other open world games that i've that i've played as of late yeah i i think this game kind of suffers a little bit from the peaks that other 3d uh, third person action games have reached like especially mm-hmm. modern day and not to cross streams but like you got the god of war that came out or uh even something like um horizon zero dawn where where they've yeah. got i think the way they figured it out right was that you've got these sort of openish world segments but when you get to a story part you are locked into that story part mm-hmm. and it sort of it sort of breaks away from all the open world portions of it. And, and so they mm-hmm. can sort of hone in that cinematic experience to match what they're trying to tell the story with. Whereas here, they're trying to tell the story beats within the framework of this entire open world and just having you go to a marker uh, in order to like hunt down this one enemy and kill him. Or you'll have these places where you're trying to like trace down different uh, dead guys and, Really, it's like you will hit those markers, but like the whole engine of the world is churning around you while you do it. Totally. Yeah. Right. And I think that creates just a lot more opportunity for those kind of like silly moments or uh, immersion breaking sequences that mm-hmm. you can fall prey to. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it feels like a lack of polish at times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah a good way to describe it. <laughs> And and it's and it's not to say there's like there like pieces of it feel epic and pieces of it feel beautiful, but then it's like you'll you know a certain cutscene will look just absolutely gorgeous, and then it brings you back into in engine or something, and it's like there's weird animations going on or characters with their dead eyes or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it, it just feels it feels super polished in certain pieces and certain areas, and then completely not in the other uh, in others, and and that kind of uh, that's a weird contrast as well to to see them. Just just kind of flow those pieces flowing together like that i think now um let me ask you here are you playing this on an xbox it's a good question yeah i'm so i'm playing on xbox one uh on an xbox one x um so the console version itself has uh at least on the one x you can choose between like a performance or a resolution mode um having tried like trying both of them uh the, the the performance mode is like a it scales from 1080p to 4k and it has some added visual effects like better draw distance better lighting and and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um and and I felt like the actual 4K mode just didn't sure didn't look that much didn't look any better um, and it looked worse in some ways. Are you are you on an Xbox or are you playing on PC? For this particular one, I'm using my PC, and the main okay. the main reason why is that uh, I've got the OG Xbox One, so I, I didn't want any possible limitations that might come with that. Sure. And, and then secondly, uh, it offered a HD texture pack that you could install with oh. the game. Uh, doesn't yep. doesn't lend well to streaming it if you're that kind of person <laughs> wants to stream your gameplay, but like it it does actually make it look 
uh, pretty up there with some of the better looking dames, especially when it comes to uh, the that's a, story beats and stuff. That's interesting. Okay. So I wonder if that, I wonder how much better that looks versus, um, I don't think that there was any extra download for the one X. Um, it is enhanced, but I don't think there was anything texture wise in any case. So I wonder how different that looks. Yeah, that's a good it, point. It looked really nice. It, it still ran, uh, pretty consistently on my PC, although, uh, it sounded like it was going to be a jet engine and take off <laughs> on me, but, uh, it, yeah, so like for any of the, your listeners who might consider versus those two, like if you got a decent PC and have Xbox Game Pass, like give it a give it a look. Well, and it's uh, like it's part of it's one of those games that's on both both ends of it. So I think things like your save progress and stuff will jump between them too. So um, so you, it would be cool to take a look at both of them and see just how much better it looks on the PC side of things. But yeah, that's a good point. Were you playing mouse and keyboard then, or were you playing with a controller? Oh, absolutely not controller. <laughs> <laughs> Control. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I don't I don't touch a mouse and keyboard unless it's a first person shooter. And, and even then it's like it depends on the <laughs> the type of game. Depends on the game itself, yeah. 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 How far story wise did you get in the game? So I, I got near the end of the first chapter. Uh okay. Th- this is something where I, I spent a, a good amount of time playing it up to our conversation, but I did sort of get distracted from time to time just sort of exploring around and seeing if I could hunt down certain generals and mm-hmm. uh trying to get a wider uh taste of the experience rather than trying to get too mm-hmm. deep into the story itself. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and I mean that's you know, the nemesis system is, is really where this thing is supposed to be shining, which uh for people who don't, who don't know what that is, it's basically the game will assign sort of a hierarchy of enemy types in the game. And there will be, uh, sort of generals and, uh, I forget the names for all the different types, but like captains and generals right. and, and war lords, war, some, some, there's, there's more, there's more. Yeah. But, but basically each time that you, there'll be regular grunts across the world, but each section will also have these, uh, captains or generals and you encounter one of them, they'll have like sort of a quick, uh, uh, one or two sentence like quip about how you're going to be, uh, their dinner or, or something, uh, your bones. <laughs> Which I loved. I loved that it, stuff. It's, like it felt like even if you're in the throes of battle and, and someone comes across you and it kind of freezes and like snap zooms into their face and they're like, they, you know, they give you a couple one liners. Or if you've seen them before, they're like, oh, you again, like finally, I'm, I'm so excited to finally finish you <laughs> off or like something cool that does make it feel like this world is connected. But those moments felt super epic at that point. Just the fact that they got an introduction, I think. Yeah, they, they really treat it like they're a, a true character in the story rather than just another grunt to kill. And, and they're 100%. And they're harder to beat because they usually have a pattern or strengths or weaknesses you have to adhere to to take them down. And different levels. Yep, and, and different level scaling too. And, and then there's also just like different types have different outcomes too. So there have been some where I've killed them and then they'll somehow come back later on oh really and they'll be kind of like uh where one time before it would be like you could see their face the next time they came back their face was obscured by some sort of mask or something like that mm. i don't know if it was sort of so meant to show that like you maimed them and they don't want to be seen or something like that but like they had yeah. they had flavor text that matched the fact that you had encountered them and beat them before and saying things like well mm-hmm. you won't be so lucky this time and this wonderful sort of uh, cockney british accent <laughs> that a lot of them have and, and a lot of mm-hmm. characters in middle earth employ too that i think was almost one of the coolest elements just because it i don't know like pretty quickly 
you're in these massive environments and there's, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of orcs throughout it, but none of that combat really feels like it means much. Like it's just waves and waves of faceless enemies. But these battles, even though it's, you know, a, a just, it's another enemy that they're giving a name to and it has a couple of like lines or whatever. Like it feels like a, like a massively different experience and a massively different fight. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like if you run away, they could, like they could level up and, and become stronger and closer to uh, becoming a warlord or whatever. And, and, and they, they almost feel like they have their own relationships too. Like sometimes you'll come across uh, two captains that are fighting and and have to decide like, do I let one of them kill the other, or do I, do I intervene and and fight them both, or like um, it, it gives you more kind of choice there. But I just found that those aspects so neat. And you'll you know you'll go around and you'll collect intel from like camps or um, there's certain certain general enemy types that you can basically like learn a weakness of one of these guys. And if you go into battle knowing that weakness, you can more easily take care of it which a lot of the time they're way way higher leveled than you so right. they can be quite challenging especially when you're surrounded with other guys um, so that intel at that point really really helps a lot absolutely and each time you're encountering them they're higher level than you usually uh it, the combat's usually like uh kind of standard fair action uh combat uh with a counter and then also you can get them dazed for any enemy mm-hmm. and that sort of allows you to do the execution but for these captains and generals and stuff, it usually is just like a small sliver of their life you take off each time you get to that point. Mm-hmm. So it does become this dealing with phases of trying to figure out its pattern, getting them down, uh, performing the execution thing, and then uh, getting knocked back until you finally take them down. And, and mm-hmm. there were some of them even where like you would get into sequences where uh, there was battles where you'd have to do uh, quick time events. And yes. you, you saw those too then. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and those are the sequences that really feel like they match something you'd see in like the movie where it would show you mm-hmm. like parrying, blocking, dodging, uh, and then like disengaging and then starting over again. And mm-hmm. that was, those are the points even more than a lot of the story beats where the cinematic nature that this kind of game could have really shown through. Well, and I felt like it, like, Though for me, like I, I, at least in the first act, I wasn't really seeking out a lot of that stuff, but I would come up, you would, you just naturally come across it. Right. Um, and, and whenever I did naturally come across it, I was always interested in it because I feel like these moments are very cool. But once you get to act two, it basically, you get to the point where, uh, you get the ring back and, and Sauron, like, you know, you've lost the city. Sauron knows about you. Um, I think he knew about you before, mm-hmm. but you're now in a spot where you, you are tasked with basically creating your own orc army because if we want to match up to them when they're with their massive army, we got to have our own. So at that point, you like you get to the point where you're in these battles with these captains and you can basically break them and then um, then you can you can get them on your team basically so you just like just like when you're getting the intel from the guys like you use your wraith powers to 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 change their minds um and so they can join your team and you can assign ones as bodyguards and 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 send them to like try to assassinate one of the enemy captains and stuff and it seems like it's this very cool system at that point and it's it's really neat too because the way it introduces it like the first one you recruit is this giant tank of an orc his name is like bruce basically (laughs) um yeah, it's like B R U Z, but it, it's it's just pronounced Bruce, and um, he almost sounds like Bruce the Shark from Finding Nemo, uh, even, uh, which I thought was really <laughs> that funny, might be deliberate. Then, 
<laughs> I, exactly. Yeah, I definitely thought that. Um, but he's like this brutal guy, and you're when you're introduced to him, you're in. He's in the throes of battle with another captain, and he kills that captain in like two seconds. And you're like, oh man, this guy's like going to be huge. This guy's going to be a hard fight. And it was. It felt decently challenging. But you fight him, you dominate him, and then he instantly turns into like this friendly and hilarious character. And <laughs> and basically, like you, 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 your hand leaves his head after changing his mind, and he's like, you know, Dark Lord, Bright Lord, same thing, really. Like as long as I get to snap some spines, I don't really care. Uh, and then he kind of becomes this like tutorial giver. Like, um, you know, once you, you dominate your second captain, he's like, Oh, you, you looks like you could really use a bodyguard. Like uh, you should probably use this new guy as your bodyguard in case it, uh, things are too tough for you. And he's like, it would never be tough for me, but uh, for you, you know, you're pretty small. And he just turns into this hilarious character. And he, it's totally uh, just, just vastly different from what you'd expect based on how you're introduced to him and stuff. But that's where I thought the, the nemesis system and everything that it offered got super interesting and then i got to the point where all like oh i don't care about the story now i just want to build this army and it really like it felt like it was just this added on piece to start that was cool Mm -hmm. and then the second act it became the most interesting part of the game for me i think yeah that sounds really captivating and you're actually exciting me to keep going with this (laughs) over time with that little nugget i mean there there are (laughs) funny twerks to the nemesis system and even stuff like uh the funniest thing to me in my experience was that there was this uh, little grunt that just obliterated me early on in game. And he was like, not even like a named character, but then be, no, but, really? but then because he killed me, he became one of the captains. And, and so like he bumped out another captain to become one of the captains and like have a rivalry with me. And so like through my haphazard nature of getting used to the game, I would encounter him a few times and he would keep on killing me. And so like this little scrawny thing kept on rising up the ranks of the, yeah. the captainhood. And it wasn't even like he would get like bigger or more brutish looking. It would still be like this pathetic looking orc just with more <laughs> and more, uh, stereo looking armor and like going from yeah. kind of meat to like tough guy attitude and, and so just like it, it makes you really wonder how many deers are turning with the system to try to create the logic to allow that, that. so cool and like the nemesis system really is the crux of make, what makes this game work even before what you told me because that creating your sort of own story through like the back and forth of who you're able to take down or who takes you down and then beating mm-hmm. your head over and trying it again can really just create some great like uh interactive uh non-storytelling storytelling <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah. on it because like the story well, is like un- unscripted it feels unscripted right exactly which like that natural flow is and that dynamic nature of it just really makes it compelling yeah it's very cool and i like like I said, like the last couple, you know, I was playing it right up until we started this conversation. And, and the last couple of hours, it was like, it was like, oh, I'll just go f- fight one more captain and then I'll do a story mission. And I was like, ah, uh, maybe one more. <laughs> like, like it just becomes this, this, this cool, like it now, rather than just being this neat thing, it has this distinct purpose. And it also becomes like, like, oh, this guy's like a level 12, you know, do I, is he worth becoming a captain for this next raid that they're going to go do or would i rather just kill him and hopefully find someone stronger so there's this this aspect of it as well mm. and then money finally has a purpose um you know I'm, you're collecting money or you're breaking down your equipment and i'm like what is this money for like i've never seen like a shop or anything <laughs> like that but you can basically use them to upgrade your next like attack on the enemies type thing so um you know more grunts or these explosive guys that will like like help right from the get-go and and i've not got to the 
point where I actually was doing one of the sieges yet. I'm looking forward to checking that out. But it seems like those are going to be like these big epic things. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that you get to see them and they're not just like, you know, simulated or played out across the the nemesis like chessboard looking thing. But um, very cool stuff for that. That's that. It, yeah, that ended up being almost the most exciting part. And it it takes a while to get to the point where you really see much of it. But it's cool at the beginning and then it becomes like a game changer as, as soon as Act 2 starts, essentially. I could see a scenario where instead of sort of hobbling these two things together, they split these projects off into the nemesis game where you are in this sandbox of an open world and you're just engaging in this nemesis system to build your army to take on a challenging army and then having a separate story game where you're following Talion Celebrimore and, and their journey and trying to take on uh, Sauron where it's a much more uh, – narrow narrative focus and, and i i see two better games through the outcome of that that's a good point that, that makes yeah i could see that because yeah they could feel they feel totally different but obviously it's all self-contained in one thing so i could definitely see that being um being separated through the development process and then kind of brought in and they do complement each other very well because that gives you kind of like before i was saying it didn't feel like there was a lot to do in the world it didn't feel like the world felt very alive but then that gives you like that kind of really changed things once that came more into play for me anyways mm-hmm. then it was no longer just i'm sprinting to the next story mission like now i'm interested in seeing who i <laughs> can take down who i can have join my ranks and everything like that so i i was also quite surprised like you know again not really playing the first one not knowing a ton of what i was getting into like knowing it was this kind of open world third person like story-based game i was pretty surprised by how brutally violent it could be a lot of the time yeah yeah Um, i i I guess they take liberty with it since they're not technically human right (laughs) but yes i guess so yeah the execution sequences are brutal and you're talking about like Mm -hmm. You'll have somebody on the floor and they'll show you like wrapping your arms around them, like stabbing them in the gut and then like taking your knife to their throat and like splattering of black blood sort of spilling with every movement and like moving Mm -hmm. with the same kind of smoothness that a butter knife would be doing over uh warm butter. Like just <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. And you even have the option, like uh, I think it's an unlock. Cause of course you, you know, like most games you get skill points and that helps you gain additional moves or, or opportunities to do different things differently. Uh, one of the options is you can do like, rather than like a stealth takedown, you could do like a brutalized move, which is like, you're just viciously stabbing like this screaming, begging orc uh around all of his orc friends and and the idea is that if you like they'll get scared and they'll run away potentially Mm -hmm. so by rather than stealthily taking out like orc by orc if i can brutalize this one some of his friends might i might not have to fight them at all because they're terrified at this point of what i'm capable of and they'll run away from there i thought that stuff was like it was shocking at times and even like sometimes in the cutscenes and stuff like at one point um i mean there's a cutscene and i am in a mission and I am following this guy through a camp. And then when it gets to the end, like one of his other orc friends basically like cuts him in half with a shield. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like just by like, he like pushes him down and like beats him in the stomach with the shield until the point where he's in two separate pieces. And he's kind of like crawling. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is ridiculous. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that part. That was obscene. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> just, yeah, I mean, I guess we should be grateful they didn't show entrails or something coming out. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I didn't have like a, like, I don't have a problem with it. It was just like shockingly violent. And especially like I, again, it's been a very long time since I've really like seen Lord of the Rings, but being, you know, I don't remember it being super graphic and it's like a sort of family friendly adventure. And, and this felt completely different than that. This, you know, that stuff felt like, like these are people in the throes of war type thing, which at that point, I guess it's more effective. Right. Um, and, and it feels, it feels bigger at that point, I guess. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't find it offensive, but it was, it was a little more gratuitous than I remember, uh, prior mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings nature <laughs> stuff I've encountered. Yes. Or even like, look at, you know, like the two towers game for PS2 and you're in these big battles and the, like nothing's happening. I, I was, to these I was waiting just... for when somebody would mention the, the old, uh, movie based games. <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder how the like i i remember playing those back in the day i wonder how those would hold up now because i remember just really enjoying them i mean everyone did i think uh i think the gameplay probably would hold up fine i'd be worried about the way it looks that's yeah, that's yeah. what i mean well and there's always like that that nostalgic piece where it's like i remember it looking a certain way and then you go back to it and you're like this is not the same right <laughs> like something changed and it's all it is is you just i don't know the rose-colored glasses or the nostalgia filter that makes everything look better mm-hmm. than it ever did mm-hmm. yeah some things are just yeah. better better belonged in your memory <laughs> <laughs> is there any other anything else that really stood out for you in this in your time with this game or i i think the only things i'd want to mention are uh one uh a lot of times when i got in battles and it was against a captain or a general uh they did the sort of like action movie thing where they would form a circle around you and take turns fighting you <laughs> did you ever experience that i don't like Yes, I would say yes. Not like not like a perfect circle, but there it definitely felt like you were surrounded. Um, and at those points, I just felt like the you know the the most. I feel like the most important move in this game is not the swing of your sword, but it's rolling away from shit. Yeah, and and I did that. It, like there's times when you're just I'm literally just rolling in a circle around the people until there's like an opportunity to 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 have a good swing or to do an execution or whatever. Hit the jump button next to an enemy and have them parkour off top of someone's head and. Uh, jump away a little bit yeah that that's kind of that's actually just talking about the parkour stuff sometimes that got annoying too in that like like it's cool and i'm glad that it's there but there's certain times where it would feel like it it didn't understand like i feel like i'm going on the most obvious path but it would think that you wanted to go somewhere completely different yep um or even like sometimes in combat it would be like if there's a slight ledge that i could probably just step down um <laughs> it like you'll get like caught on it and and there was a couple times where i died because like the whatever like the captain was swinging at me or whatever and i kind of just clipped on this little ledge instead of going down it like i wanted and still got hit by his move like it feels like and those those are i i think that just brings back to the like there are certain things and there's it's a big it's it is an epic game and there's a lot to do but some things don't feel polished and those those moments really felt like that like i was like there was nothing that i did wrong there that should have led to this happening like i but he just rolling in the in spot in the spot because this one foot drop is too much for him to roll over or something like that and did you find anything like that? Yeah, and that's very much Assassin's Creed. Like that, that those are the same kind of hundred percent. Yeah, those are the yeah. same kind of problems that I encountered there, like you mentioned earlier. And it's just like it, it's a yeah. carryover of the way that they, they have to sort of like make certain jump spots sort of sticky 
for your character to latch on to. And I, I don't think the game always understands how you want to actually move in those sequences. And sure. so you end up mm-hmm. alerting people or uh, falling to your peril at some point. Although technically you're mm-hmm. not supposed to have fall damage. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that was, that I was happy yeah. for. And I like, I, was it always like that? Or is it like, sometimes you just jump off things that you're that you didn't intend to, and we're going to remove fall damage so that you're not mad at us when it right. happens. Right. <laughs> I guess that's the mercy rule of this kind of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was that stuff. Anything else that stood out for you, or is that uh, pretty much it? Yeah, I would say that despite the characters being kind of unremarkable, I think they really did kind of nail the world building and the and the environments around it. So like it it felt very much at least adjacent to the same kind of environments you'd expect from like the Lord of the Rings movies and uh, mm-hmm. the kind of drawings you've seen from Tolkien's work. They they did work to try to match that aesthetic and feel that they had from the other yep. stuff. And uh, that's fair. And, and also whoever's doing uh, the Gollum voice, not a bad job. Like surprisingly not a bad <laughs> right, job. I, right there. Yeah. Golem is in the game. Um, he kind of leads you around at certain times a little bit too often. I think yeah. it feels like, um, and those are very, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I, at some points I was like, is this actually him like doing the voice? <laughs> and I didn't look it up. I don't, I, I can't imagine that it is because that seems like I, I bet, uh, a very expensive thing to do, yeah, but I bet Andy circus is a little, uh, high dollar for them. If uh, if Destiny can't bother paying uh, Peter Dinklage for his voice, then I'm guessing that uh, they <laughs> they do the same here. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I guess with that, would you say that uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War is it a must play for you, or is it a give it a shot, or is it a skip? I think it's a give it a shot. I, I think it depends a lot on your fondness for Lord of the Rings and Tolkien style storytelling and uh really the environments more than anything i think you have to approach this from a standpoint of a sandbox that is within middle earth that's going to have a story that i can't really tell if it's gonna really pay off in any way based on what we played so far Uh, i'm not that invested in the story personally but i think there's a lot of fun you can have with this Mm -hmm. if, if you're not too attached to it telling the most compelling story I think that's fair. I it, it's a give it a shot for me as well. I think that um you know if you like games like Assassin's Creed, you're going to feel right at home with this. Although it feels like older Assassin's Creed, not like the new last two that kind of redid the combat system entirely and everything like that. So it's not quite as fluid as those games feel. Mm-hmm. Um I would say though if you and you know and if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, like you've probably already played it because <laughs> Why, you know, it's not that often that you get good games based on these franchises and, and these, this game and its prequel are, are quite highly regarded. So I would say though that if you have not, played shadow of mordor either play that or watch a, a a decent recap because while you get like you said while you get kind of a hear the story so far cutscene, i still feel like i didn't know any of these characters or places and and it took a long time to connect with them and to care to care about them at all at that point so watch a good recap or play the first game first which i think is also on xbox game pass and if it's not it's super cheap so uh that would be yeah yeah i think give it a shot for sure yeah yeah cool uh i'm gonna go ahead and draw the game for the next episode and then we can wrap things up All right, so next episode, uh, we are going to be playing a game called Oxenfree, uh, which I have actually played before. (laughs) Um, But uh, that was right when it came out. I actually reviewed it for Geekscape.net, our website. But uh, it came out in like 2016, so I am excited to 
go back uh, and play it again. I enjoyed that one. Um, it's a it's it's a yes, good one. I did. It, yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it's a it's a quick play, and it's I I don't know. I I think it has a really interesting story, but we will uh, be talking about that in two weeks. For now, I think that this is the end of the show. So. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Joel. Uh, I would love you. Where, where can we hear your podcast? Yeah. First of all, uh, thanks again for having me. This is a lot of fun. I'd love to come back sometime if you ever have a gap in scheduling. Uh, totally. Uh, we can find us at uh, Super GG Radio at Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio. We do occasional streaming. And then if your uh, listeners would consider listening to us after they've listened to their week's episode of Xbox Game Passengers, we love it. Cool. Yeah. We're only every two weeks, so they, you know, they got to fill the rest of the time with something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not try us? <laughs> uh, but yeah. 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 Right. So Super GG Radio. So at Super GG Radio on Twitter. Um, yeah. This has been another episode of Xbox Game Passengers. Uh, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, you know, anyway, you can get us out there, whether that's uh, sharing the show with a single friend, a five star on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, a written review, anything like that helps us a lot and helps get the show out there. Uh, you can also follow us at XGP Podcast on Twitter. Uh, and also by now, you should, uh, you, I, I, we have a sister show at this point. It's not out while we're recording it, but it'll be out by the time this airs. Uh, you can also look for the Let's Play Arcade Podcast. Same exact format, just with my friend John and we just play a randomly selected game from the new Apple Arcade service. So be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, search for Xbox Game Passengers or uh, Let's Play Arcade wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but for now, thanks again, Joel. Thank you. And we will be back in just two weeks uh, with Oxenfree. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 